morning, it's um, a significant milestone for Annette and I. Um, it's our opportunity to thank the church for the wonderful way that you've accepted us. And if we have in some way been a blessing to you over the last three years, you collectively and individually have been a blessing to us. Um, for, for many years, one of my roles was helping churches find pastors and I've sat through many, um, with many church leaderships and realised that finding a pastor to invite to our church is not always an easy process. And it's certainly not an exercise in employment. Um, I read this story and I'll share it with you. Um, a member of an official board undergoing the painful process of looking for a pastor finally lost patience. He'd watched the Pastoral Relations Committee reject applicant after applicant for some fault alleged or otherwise. It was a time for a bit of soul-searching on the part of the committee, so he stood up and he read a letter that he said came from another applicant. This is the letter. Gentlemen... Understanding your pulpit is vacant, I should like to apply for the position. I have many qualifications. I've been a preacher with much success and have also had some success as a writer. Some say I'm a good organiser. I've been a leader in most places I have been. I'm over 50 years of age. I've never preached in one place for more than three years. In some places I've left town after my work caused riots and disturbances. I must admit that I've been in jail three or four times, but not because of any real wrongdoing. My health is not too good, though I still get a great deal done. The churches I preached in have been small, though located in several large cities. I've not gotten along well with the religious leaders in town where I have preached. In fact, some of them have threatened me and even attacked me physically. I'm not too good at keeping records. I've been known to forget whom I've baptised. However, if you can use me, I will do my best for you. The board member looked expectantly at the committee. Well, what do you think? Shall we offer this person a call? But the good church folk were aghast. Call an unhealthy, troublemaking, absent-minded, ex-jailbird? Was this board member crazy? Who signed the application? Who had the nerve to put in the application? And the board member looked at them and he said, it signed the Apostle Paul. And it just reminds me that God's calling is not about human wisdom or process. It's about what God's plans are and whether we are prepared to listen to him and to do what he calls us to do. Many of you know that I actually retired in June 2020, um, feeling somewhat tired and spent and looking forward to retirement. Um, to say the least, it's fair to say that I was a reluctant pastor. I wasn't looking for a position in a church or to accept a call. Um, and in this state, um, in this state um, my good friend um, Dave Chatelier, who's here with Anita, his wife, this morning, and um, who served in this church before me, and we, we've done this over the years, we had a coffee, and he said, Stephen, have you thought about Bracken Ridge? They need a pastor to come and to share with them. And I said to Dave, 
well, I don't think that's me. I'm definitely not interested in applying for any positions. And then Dave, wise manager, says, well, you don't have to apply for any positions, but would you be willing to talk to Dave Luthy over a cup of coffee? No strings attached. And, um, well, it hits, hit my spot. Well, of course I could talk to somebody, but just make them know that I'm not interested in a position. And so had coffee with Dave Luthy and we talked a bit about the church. And I told him, I'm not interested in applying for your vacancy in your pastoral thing. He said, that's okay. And then later on I got a phone call, would you like to come and meet with the church council? Um, it's not an interview. It's just, they just want to meet you and um, find out a bit about you. And, um, you know, God, when he says something, you need to listen and for me, the crunch was as I was thinking about all these things that are happening. Um, I remembered the story of the Macedonian call in Acts. And God said to me, this is what I'm asking you to do. If you don't remember the Macedonian call, Paul had plans and ideas of where he was going to go. Acts 16, verse 6 to 10. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mosia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. So they passed by Mysia and went to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man, of Macedonia standing and begging him come over to Macedonia and help us and after Paul had seen the vision we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them and to me this has been my Macedonian call it wasn't my plan or my intention but God was in it and invited me to come over and accept the call our home church that we've been for 16 years before we came here, you know, one of the things that you do is you say, well, I'll go and talk to my pastor and see whether he can talk me out of this. And um, the church there said, we really think you should go. We want to bless you and we want to bless the church. And so they encouraged us. And the very day that we were inducted here, we were at a service there and they commissioned us and prayed God's blessing over our time here. And it has been a time where God has blessed us. And so this morning I want to speak from Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 36. What happened was that I actually wanted God to give me a passage that somehow or other took into effect a pastor who was leaving a church that they loved. Um, maybe it could be that um, he'd only been there for about three years and... Um, and because it's going to be a bit of an emotional thing, it would be okay if there's some tears in it as well. And so this is the passage that God has asked me to speak on this morning. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. 
And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the tasks the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. I'm not saying I'm exactly like Paul. Um, Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves may come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. I've not covered anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. If everything I did I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. He said, it was more blessed to give than to receive. And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And the next verse says, and they all wept. I think this is a powerful passage. Um, It talks about the ongoing journey that God calls each of us as his church to be involved in. And calls about the church at Brackenridge just like the church at Ephesus. Paul had been called to serve there for a season. Um, It had been an eventful ministry in the life of Paul. Um, He went to um, there in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, and he taught for three months in in the um, hall of Tyrannus. Um, And when he taught, sorry, he taught there for three months until opposition rose and he moved to another place where he taught for two years. Um, God blessed his ministry there. Um, God was at work in people's lives. He changed people's lives. But there was also opposition that rose. And his leaving wasn't because he felt that he'd had enough time there or he'd had a better offer. But because the word of God had become so powerful, the local silversmiths and those who made the idols in the local area started to raise opposition so that he had to leave. Just imagine being in a church that became so influential in the city that um, you had that sort of opposition. And yet it's very clear through all that we read in the book of Acts that Paul deeply loved the folk at the church of Ephesus. And here he is on his way to Jerusalem, already has some sense that this is going to be a very climactic part of his journey in serving Jesus. But as he goes, he wants to speak to the church He's not going to be able to go to Ephesus itself, so he calls the leaders over with a message for the church, and that's the message that we've just read. 
And he provides within this message some ministry insights, which I think um, are ministry insights for us as well as we move forward as God's church in this place. The first thing I want you to notice is this, that um, Paul um, acknowledges through this story that ministry is about relationships. Far too often we try to turn ministry into a task or into an organisation. But here Paul is sharing with the church that he loves and in verse 18 he says, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. There is a sense in which Paul opened up his life and encourages each of the, each of the people in the church of Ephesus to open up their lives to one another as well because they're in the heart of that relationship. Our relationship with God will change and transform not just us but our community as well. As we read those verses, he talks about what I've called a model of Christian living, some of the things that are very important that as we live individually but also together as a church that are important. He talks about the importance of transparency or authenticity or being real. Um, he, he uses himself as a model. He said, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. Our Christian faith is not about coming to church to a meeting, going to a function. It's about a 24-7 lifestyle where God is our head and we are part of a community. Here at Bracken Ridge we say we're part of a family um, that we love and care for one another. And so it's not only what we do but it's who we are that is part of our Christian living and our Christian witness. The other thing I notice here about Paul is that he talks about his ministry using a couple of what I think are important terms together. He talks about passion and humility. He was very earnest. He worked very hard to serve Jesus, but it was always with humility. In verse 19, he says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. You don't shed tears if you're not passionate about something. Um, it's a relational mix that goes into what we're called to do. Um, and he says that even when the pressure comes, when the times get tough, even though Paul says, I was severely tested, um, he continued to serve with both tears and with humility. And God's calling us to be passionate as we serve him, to realise that there's a much greater cause than our own individual circumstances, that we are caught up in the things that God wants us to do. And in the midst of that, humility is important. You know what? It's even in church life, it's easy for us to become a bit overwhelmed by pride, by talking about how good we are, how well we did things, how much we do things. And there are times when we celebrate the good things that are done. But at the heart of it, it's not us, it's God that is doing. And we are the humble servants that he calls us to. And Paul, when he served in Ephesus, he could have been put up on a pedestal as the pastor of the church, but he put himself in the lowest position. In verse 33, he said, I have not coveted anyone's silver or clothes or, or, or um, gold or clothing. Um, he reminds them that when he was there, he worked as a tent maker because he didn't want to be of any financial burden to the people who were there. Um, the example that he gives to every one of us is to serve with passion and humility. 
And the third thing that we see there is that he talks about the centrality of the gospel. Um, I know it's an old phrase, but in church life we need to echo time and time again that the main thing needs to be the main thing. And the main thing is the good news, the centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes and transforms lives. Verse 20 and 21, we read this, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying to the church and saying to us down through the times of history, we actually still need to be passionate to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. And then as well as giving us a model for living, I think he gives us a model for priorities as well. And when we come to verses 22 to 24, we see that Paul is saying that my priority is to do what God calls me to do. Um, I've been around ministry for a long time and in some ways ministry gets simpler as you get older, not harder. And one of the simple things that I know about ministry is this. It's as simple as hearing what God is saying and then doing what he tells you to do. Okay, we make it complicated and we have all sorts of things but our passion and our heart should be that we need to ask God, what is it that you'd have me to do? And it's not necessarily going to be a big thing, but it's going to be an important thing in God's kingdom. And then when we hear it, to have the faith to step out in faith, not because we can do it in our own strength, but because we can do it with God's help. You know, Paul was anticipating hardship. He knew that by going to Jerusalem that God's plan was that he would suffer there for the sake of the kingdom. Um, Jesus set the ultimate example when he faced the cross, didn't he? He prayed, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And Paul also gives us that example. In verse 24, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And that's true for every one of us. God wants us to be his follower to hear his voice and to be obedient to that. He put us into a body so that we would complement each other, not compete. You know, God's church in in seasons, and I think this is a particularly special season in the church of Brackenridge, um, we still need to be on the guard for what happens in the future. Um, Most of us know enough about churches to know that there are ups and downs in the life of churches. And we pray for more ups and less downs. But Paul, in his message to the Ephesians, I think gives a model for staying faithful. He says, don't take it for granted, but we actually need to focus on doing the things that will keep us unified together under God and his leadership. In verse 27, he said, for I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. Um, We are to be a people of God's word, not just the parts that we like or the slant that we like or whatever our favourite thing at the time is, but we are to be um, proclaiming the whole word of God. In verse 28, he says, keep watch on yourselves. Keep vigilant. We need to be vigilant about our walk with God. Um, He talks in verse 28 about the need for good shepherds of the flock. 
hears a ex-pastor of Brackenridge saying that our pastors and our leaders are important people in God's kingdom. Pray for them, support them, encourage them. And leaders, we have a great call and commission. Um, We are called to be caring. We are called to exercise leadership under God. Um, We are to teach, not just by words or by speeches, but by our very lives. And we are to speak into people's lives as they seek to navigate the challenges of life. And then he talks about the dangers that come. He uses the word of wolves, which follows on from the shepherds. And he says that, um, I know after I leave, savage wolves will come against you. And as a church in the 21st century, we know that there are forces that are trying to reduce the influence and the opportunity of churches in our world. Um, But Paul says, and let's be real, not all the threats are from out without. There are also threats from within, where people might decide, maybe even starting off heading in the right direction and then thinking more about their own ways and directions. And he says this, um, that we need to be on our guard so that um, they won't be distorted or led astray. I think this passage talks to us about being a church that moves forward. Um, pastors come and go. Some pastors stay longer than others. But the church continues. The church is not the pastors. The church is not the organisation. You are the church. You are the people of God. And so Paul, as he finishes his speech, he then does the thing which I think is the most powerful of all. He commits the church into God's hands. Paul finishes his speech by um, verse 32 and he says this, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. As I read this passage and thought about this morning, um, I thought that there was a sense in which I would want to bless this church um, in a small way like Paul um, did with the church at Ephesus. I'd want to say thank you to you, the church who accepted us as part of your church family. Um, Over the last three years, we've been blessed by so many of you. We've come to know and love you. Um, Not because of things that you've done for us, but the privilege of serving together, shoulder to shoulder, serving God. Um, We are thankful for the church leadership here. has always been very supportive and encouraging. Um, I've enjoyed being in a pastoral team that considerably, you probably didn't guess this, considerably younger than I am. Um, And for 99% of the time, I have really thrived in that. I think I actually think younger than I would have if I'd been retired. Um, They've been so gracious. There's only been one time where there's been a little bit of tension and that has been on our staff um, days where we go to bond. There's always these competitive activities of axe throwing or hoop shooting or whatever. And, um, you know, some of our guys are pretty competitive and they never let me win, not even once. But I enjoyed the journey and it's been a great blessing. And so we have been honoured to work there. And look, church, um, we are raising up a generation of pastors here and we need to support them and pray for them. Um, I've been honoured to work in the church 
which is welcoming and authentic. It's been a privilege for me each Sunday to hang around. I don't know if I've annoyed anybody, but I've loved the idea of welcoming to our church because I love our church. And God has used that, and it's been good. I love that our church is where all the generations matter. There's not a, a main generation and everybody else does the best they can. I love our church because we are diverse. We come from many different backgrounds. We've got many different heritages. But we're diverse in background, but we're unified by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I've been encouraged by the passion and the humility of people in this church to serve God in so many ways. There are so many people in this church, whenever there's a need, sometimes it's not very public, um, they are there working hard and serving Jesus in that way. And I've been so encouraged by the fact that we as a church don't have a bunker mentality where we enjoy our own company, but we always want to be out, whether it's through chaplaincy, through youth group, through mainly music, through carols, um, through holidays kids club, through senior services. There's a whole range of things that we have shown that service of God. Can I also say very seriously that I've been encouraged by our commitment to the word of God. You know, Paul said to the Ephesians, keep the main thing the main thing. The gospel is central. And so I love coming to a church where each week God's word is opened and that we go through and we seek to hear what God is saying to us through his word. And not only that, but we um, don't only speak the word, but we seek to live it out in our visions and in our directions that God is calling us to. So here's my parting words. And I haven't cried once yet, so I'm doing very well. Um, it's, it's this, dear church, stay true to God's word. Be vigilant in maintaining the intimacy and integrity of your own personal walk with the Lord. And be on guard against those things that would split us apart or distract us from doing what God is calling, to do, calling us to do. And on my last final official act, so to speak... I'd like to do what Paul did, and that is to commit you to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to invite the music team to come up and join on stage. And um, I've had the privilege of picking the next two songs. Um, I've picked them for a reason, and I don't know if it's your style of music or not, but the reason that I've picked them is that firstly it tells us to think about who Jesus is. When I survey the wondrous cross, what he has done for us, and the second one is about how great is our God because we need to get lost in not our own affairs but in the one who we serve, our Lord and King. And so as the band plays that after I've prayed, if you can just join your voices, that, that would be such a blessing to me to hear our church in full voice saying, yep, when I reflect on what Jesus has done for me and how great he is, that's where God wants us to be as his church. And so these are the words from Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 20. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with powers through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love, this love which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled in the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And they all said, Amen.